Hi, and welcome to the study of God's Word from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. Thank you for being here today, my friends. And when we come to a special day like today, I know for a lot of people that um, church going is not a big habit for them. Um, sometimes they'll show up on Christmas, sometimes they'll show up on Easter, but insofar as everyday life is concerned, uh, religion, uh, Christianity doesn't have uh, much of an impact on who they are and what they do. But I simply want to let everybody know this morning, it doesn't matter who you are, male or female, old or young, doesn't matter what your culture may be, what your race may be, doesn't matter what your political persuasion may be, what your ideology may be, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor, doesn't matter if you're in a suit or in blue jeans. God loves you. And he has demonstrated his love toward you in that while you were yet a sinner, he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for you. And you may say in your own heart and in your own mind, that doesn't make sense. You're right. It doesn't make sense. And that's because most of us don't know that kind of love. We don't understand the kind of love where an individual is willing to sacrifice all that they have to benefit someone else. Some of us don't understand that God would like us, let alone love us. Because we're not the nicest people in the world. And oftentimes we don't even give God a second thought. And maybe you don't even believe in God, but He believes in you. And He believes in you to the extent that He was willing to allow His Son, Jesus, to go to a cross and to give his life for you so that you could live with him forever in his kingdom when that kingdom comes. I want you to think with me this morning. I want us to put our thinking caps on for just a moment. Shut the world out for a little bit and let's just listen to the Spirit of God speak to us through His Word. Less than 50% of the people in the United States believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Less than 50%. And while that may be a shocking or an amazing statistic to me. What is even more shocking is that less than 80% of Christian people believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Less than 80% of people who call themselves Christian who go to a church, uh, doesn't matter what stripe the church may be, if it's a church like this one or 
a mega church or a Catholic church or a Lutheran church or a Baptist church, doesn't matter. Less than 80% who call themselves Christian even believe in the resurrection of Jesus. And in my mind, I ask the question, how can that be? How can that be? It's like a fish that doesn't believe in water. Can a person be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Can a person be a Christian and not believe in the resurrection of Jesus? Is believing in the crucifixion of Jesus enough to save a person from sin and from judgment and from hell? The scripture makes it very clear. If we have a mind to read the scriptures with our minds engaged, the Bible makes it very clear that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is essential to the Christian faith. It is essential to the Christian faith. Jesus did pay our sin debt on the cross, but that means nothing. It means absolutely nothing if God did not raise him from the dead. Why? Why? Had Jesus remained dead, had Jesus remained buried in the tomb, it would mean that God did not accept his sacrificial death on the cross. And we would still be spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. Had Jesus not risen from the grave, then the cross means nothing. Absolutely nothing. I want you to look in your Bible with me, if you will, to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you brought your Bible, thank you. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to begin in verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning in verse 12. Now if Christ is preached, that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? Well, that's where we're at today, friends. And that's where modern-day Christianity is. We preach Jesus Christ crucified, buried, and resurrected, but there are still quite a number of folks, even who call themselves Christians, who don't even believe that. If Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is vain, it is empty, it is useless, it is worthless. And your faith is also 
in vain. Let me put it in context. If you hope, if you think, if you believe someday when you die, you're going to go to heaven and yet you don't believe in the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then your faith is an empty faith. Your hope is worthless. What you hope will happen to you after you die will be a shocker. He says, your faith is in vain. Moreover, in verse 15, we're found to be false witnesses of God. False witness is a very nice word. It means liar. Nobody likes to be called a liar. But we're false witnesses against God because we witness against God that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless. You're still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. That means eternally damned. Dead forever. If we have only hoped in Christ in this life... We are of all men most to be pitied. How important is it to believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Well, that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was. But... The effect of the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, even though it took place 2,000 years ago, is still as effective today as it was the very day that it happened. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is necessary to biblical salvation. You can't have a genuine Christian faith without it. Let me ask you, Are you saved today? Are you saved today? Have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? If you were to die today, God forbid that that would happen to any of us here, but if you were to die today, do you know for certain that you would go to be with the Lord in heaven? Do you know for certain? Well, I hope, no, not talking about hope talking about certainty. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm counting on it. Well, that doesn't cut it either. We're going to talk about certainty this morning. We're going to talk about we're going to be talking about being assured of what God has said, what God has promised and what God has proven in sending his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. And for me, I want you to know this morning that salvation, the forgiveness of sin, and eternal life in Jesus Christ is sure and is secure. And I want you to understand that it is the result of God's great love for you. It is the result of God's great love for you. This is not a religious thing. This is a God thing. 
This is truth. This is biblical truth. This is not some fancy idea that some church somewhere dreamed up to make people feel good. This is serious business. Sending a son to die on a cross was serious business. Raising him from the dead was serious business. And you putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is serious business. In John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, we know the passage well. For God so loved the world. This is how much he loves you. Whether you're a Christian here this morning or not, whether you've ever professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior or not, know this, that God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten Son, John 3.16, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through Him would be saved. God loves you. And He sent His Son, Jesus, into this world to save you. Paul the Apostle wrote to the Roman Christians, chapter 5 and verse 8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he loves you. When you were estranged from God, alienated from God because of personal sin and disobedience toward God, because you were more concerned about yourself and the things of self than you were the things of God, God sent his son to die for you. That's how much he loves you. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9, the apostle Peter writes, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Not only does God love you, but God is waiting for you to demonstrate your love for him. And he has left you alive if you do not know Christ this morning. He has left you alive for one purpose and one purpose only. And that is to give you time to realize your need for Jesus Christ in your life. Now the Lord not only has demonstrated his love, but he's also told us how. He's told us how to be saved, what we have to do in order to be saved. He tells us in Scripture that we need to turn away from a life of disobedience and self-centeredness and to recognize Jesus Christ, His Son, as Lord and Savior and to believe that He has died on the cross for you and to believe that He rose from the dead to prove that the salvation He has provided for you is genuine, it is real. In Romans 10, chapter 9 and 10, the Apostle Paul wrote again to the Christians in Rome, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And this is why we understand that Scripture teaches the necessity of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, If you will confess with your lips the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You take the resurrection out of the Christian gospel and you have no Christian gospel. You take the resurrection out of genuine Christian faith and you have no genuine Christian faith. The death of Jesus on the cross paid for sin, but his resurrection secures our salvation. Without it, all bets are off. 
There are no guarantees. Romans chapter 6 verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. What we earn in this life, and we're all familiar with working and earning wages. My grandsons are desperately trying to find jobs so that they can earn enough money for whatever it is they want to do. <laughs> we understand earning, working in order to earn a living. What we earn through this life of disregard for the things of God, of disregard for the things of Jesus Christ, earns us eternal death. It earns us eternal death. But God's free gift, it's a free gift, God's free gift to anyone who will believe in and trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that is God's promise that that person will be saved. In Philippians chapter 1, Verses 1 through 6. Let's turn there for our text this morning. Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 through 6. We've been in the book of Philippians um, for quite a little while. I know we're plodding quite slow, but I am a plodder. I don't like to rush through things. I like to think about things when I study them, when I read them. I like to consider things when I hear them. And so we've been in the book of Philippians for a number of weeks. In Philippians chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, reading through verse 6, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, including the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all in view of your participation in the gospel from the first day until now. For I am confident, look at verse 6, note it, mark it, circle it, put a star by it, underline it, highlight it, whatever you need to do. I am confident, I am confident in this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I'm going to zero in on that verse and I'm going to break it down for you so you can understand just what it means to have a salvation that is secure in Christ Jesus. Because there are a lot of people and there are a lot of Christians who have no assurance of salvation. And that's a sad thing. It's a sad thing. It would be a sad thing for me to wake up in the morning not sure that my wife still loves me. It would be a sad thing for me to go around all day long wondering if my daughters still cared for me. It would be a sad thing as a Christian to live my life hoping, wishing, thinking that maybe, if it is all possible, I might be saved, I could be saved, I am saved, but I'm not sure. Well, beloved, Scripture teaches us in a number of different places. I'm only going to focus on one verse this morning. But in a number of different places, the Bible tells us you can be sure. You can be sure 
that when you leave this life, your next waking moment, you will be in the presence of God in heaven. You can be sure that when you breathe your last breath here, you will breathe a new life in the kingdom of God in the hereafter. You can be sure about that. There ought not to be any question in your heart or in your mind about that. And so we're going to look at the Apostle Paul's argument here to the Philippian church in verse 6. The Apostle affirms that all who trust in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior possess a salvation that is steadfast and sure. We have confidence in that salvation that he provides. Now I want you to note the word confidence. The word confidence simply means to be firmly and fully persuaded or convinced. To be firmly and fully persuaded to con- uh, 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 and convinced. It rules out all doubt. It rules out fear. It rules out misunderstanding. It rules out ambiguity. It rules out uncertainty. It rules out skepticism. Back home in Arkansas, what we say when we were sure about something, I know that I know that I know. That's what we used to say. Are you sure about that? Look, I know that I know that I know. I can't be any more certain about it. I know that I know that I know. Let me ask you a question this morning. What are you confident about today? What are you for certain about today? What do you know that you know that you know? today. I know that the sky appears blue. I was going to say, I was going to say this morning, I know that the sky is blue. But then Stanley showed up for church this morning. And being a teacher of chemistry and being a great thinker that he is, he would probably correct me on that. You don't know that the sky is blue, but you know that the sky appears blue. So thank you, Stanley, for helping me think. I know that the sky appears blue this morning. I know that water feels wet. I know that water feels wet. I know that my taxes are due in two weeks. And I also know that I will most likely eat too much for supper later on today. I'm certain about all those things. Not a whole lot else I'm certain about, but I'm certain of all those things. What are you certain about today? What are you confident about today? I am confident this morning, beyond all doubt, that God exists. There are skeptics, there are philosophers, there are atheists, there are agnostics, there are all kinds of people who say God does not exist and they haven't yet proven that to me. And they ask me to prove it to them. Prove to me that God exists. I can't prove to you that God exists. Prove to me that he doesn't. Well, I can't prove to you that God doesn't exist. Well, okay. There you have it. 
But I believe, I choose to believe that God exists. I believe, I am certain that He has given me eternal life. And I am certain beyond the shadow of a doubt that someday I will be with Him in heaven. Why do I have this confidence? Glad you asked. Let me tell you why. I want you to note again in verse 6, Philippians 1, 6. I am confident of this very thing, Paul says, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that salvation is secure and it is sure because it is not secure in me. It is not secure in you. It is secure in Jesus Christ. You know, I lose things. Thank you, Aaron, for affirming that. I lose things from time to time, and the older I get, the more I lose things. One of these days, I'm going to wake up realizing that I've lost my mind. I lose things from time to time, but I will never lose the salvation that the Lord God has blessed me with. You know why? Because while I lose my keys because they're in my pocket or they're on my desk or someplace in there and they're under my control, salvation is not under my control. Salvation is under God's control. And what He has blessed me with in eternal life as a gift, I can never lose. Because it's not secure in me, it is secure in Him. It is Jesus Christ who died on the cross. It is Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Salvation is God's gift to me, secured by Jesus Christ, His Son. And I can never lose that. I can never lose that. Every Christian can and should have that same confidence. Second... Salvation is sure and secure because it is God who began the work of salvation in you if you believe in Jesus Christ. Notice what he says here in verse 6. He who has begun the good work in you. He refers to God. This whole section in this introduction of the Apostle Paul in this letter is about God and about Christ Jesus. And so the he refers back to God in Christ Jesus. He who has begun the good work in you. What is that good work? The word good work, it's one word in the original text, but it, it's only mentioned twice in the New Testament, in the Greek New Testament, and both times it refers to salvation. So when the Apostle Paul says here that it is he, that is God, who has begun a good work in you, he's talking about salvation. It is God who began the work of salvation in you. That's how we should understand that phrase. God who has begun the good work of salvation in you. We are not and we cannot be saved by anything we do. And I know there are a lot of people who are banking on the fact, well, I go to church every now and again when I feel like it. Or, you know, I take communion every now and again when it's offered. Or, you know, I do this or I do that. You know, I'm trying to be a good person. I'm trying to pay my, pay my taxes. I don't kick my dog, you know. And, you know, I, I water my flowers when it's necessary. And all of these good things that I do to be a good person, God's going to look down upon me and He's going to say, what a nice person, what a good person. You've done your very best. Okay, I'll open up the gates of heaven and let you in. Ain't no way that's ever going to happen. 
Because there is nothing you can do and there's nothing I can do to be good enough in God's sight to merit entrance into his kingdom. God demands righteous perfection. God demands holy perfection. And I fall far short of that and so do you. Have you ever thought a bad thought? There you go. Have you ever despised somebody in your heart for something they may have said to you or done to you? There you go. Immediately we've lost out. There is nothing you can do, there is nothing I can do to merit God's salvation. In Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, For by grace you are saved, the Apostle Paul writes, By grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And it is God who begins that good work in you. Now follow the logic here. It is God who begins that work in you. You can't begin that work in yourself. There is nothing you can do to begin the work of salvation in you. It is God who stirs the Spirit. It is God who points out the sin. It is God who directs you by His Holy Spirit to Jesus Christ. It is God who gives you the faith to believe. It is God who extends grace to you so that you can be saved. You can't do anything about that. It is God who does it all. He begins that good work in you. And because it is God who begins that good work of salvation in you, you can be confident and you can be sure that it is secure. Why? Number three, salvation is secure and sure because God not only begins the good work in you, but he completes it. He completes that good work in you. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Look at it again. Being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it. You ever start a project that you've never finished? Have you ever done that? You ever start a project that you've never finished? My kids used to do all the time when they lived at home. I have. I've started projects that I've never finished. And it doesn't matter why they were never finished. Maybe I didn't have the time. Maybe I didn't have the resources. Maybe the circumstances changed. Maybe I lost interest. But the project never was completed. That never happens with God. Because God is not bound by those, those parameters. He's not bound by those circumstances. He's not bound by time. He's not bound by resources. Everything that God begins, God finishes. Everything that God does, He does it to perfection. You can be confident. You can have confidence. You can be confident that once you're saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, you will remain saved in Jesus Christ until that salvation is fully and finally perfected in you. Because that's what the text says. God has all resources, knows all things, has all the time in the world to do what he wants to do in your life. And you can, you can bet on it. When he begins that work in you, he will complete that work 
in you. First John chapter 5 and verse 11. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Let me read that again. This is the testimony that God has given us eternal life and this life is in his son. Everywhere in the New Testament, when it refers to salvation, it talks about salvation in terms of eternal life. Have you ever picked up on that? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life, eternal life. What we need to pick up on when we read that is, it's not talking about temporary life. It's not talking about partial life. It's not talking about limited life. It's not talking about momentary life. It's not talking about perishable life. It's talking about eternal life. And what is eternity, my friends? It's forever. It never ends. And so those who have faith in Jesus Christ, those who profess Jesus Christ, those who receive Jesus Christ are given eternal life by God himself as a free gift because you've trusted in his son. You have eternal life, which means that life that you have in him will never end. Well, how long is eternity? I don't know. You define it and we'll think about it. It's forever. It's forever. It's forever. In the kingdom of God, yes. In heaven, yes. With God in heaven, absolutely. Forever, yes. Any time that God will change his mind and kick me out, no. It's eternal life, not temporary life. I don't understand how people can say you can be saved today and lost tomorrow because you commit some sin and you have to go back and confess your sin and receive Jesus all over again and be saved all over again and if you happen to sin then you lose that salvation. That's not eternal life. And that's not what God promised. God promised eternal life. And I can be confident that it is eternal life because it doesn't, it's not up to me to keep it. He's already secured it. He's secured it in his son. Now I want you to notice one final thing. The Apostle Paul says, For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. What is the day of Christ Jesus? Is that the day of judgment at the end time? When everybody's going to stand before the throne of God and, and God is going to, you know, project their entire life up, up on a big movie screen and we're going to have to give an account for every wrong word we've said, every wrong thought that we've had, every wrong motive that we had. No. Absolutely not. Nowhere in Scripture will you ever find that. And that's what, not, that's what the day of Jesus Christ is not. It is the day when Christ returns for us. He returns for us. In Romans chapter 8, verses 29 and 30, the Apostle Paul said it this way, For those whom he, that is God, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. Whom he justified, these he also glorified. Notice the golden chain of salvation. 
God calls you to salvation through Jesus Christ. When you believe in Him and you are saved, God declares you justified. That means He's forgiven you of all your sin. He has saved you. He has made you holy. He has made you spiritually clean and pure in Christ Jesus. And that never, ever changes. You continue on in salvation here in this life until you are glorified. That's the word that the Apostle Paul uses here. And it simply means that when you leave this life, when your life here in the earth is over, you are then clothed in a resurrected, holy, eternal body and you're taken in to heaven. As Jesus Christ was raised in a resurrected and glorified body, so you will be raised in a glorified and resurrected body. He has called you, He has saved you, and He will glorify you. That's what the Apostle Paul says in Romans chapter 8. So what is he saying here to the Philippian church? Let me just update the language for you. The Apostle Paul is saying, God is the one who has saved you. This is Philippians 1.6. God is the one who saved you. And I am certain that he will not stop the saving process in you until it is perfected on the day that Jesus Christ takes you to heaven. And Paul said, I'm confident in that. Not a shadow of a doubt. I am fully confident, fully persuaded. I believe it with all of my heart, all of my mind, all of my soul, all that I am. I believe that this is the truth of God. So again, I ask you, are you saved today? Have you called upon the name of the Lord? And have you received him into your life? Have you confessed with your lips the Lord Jesus Christ and believed in your heart that God has raised him from the dead? That's what resurrection is all about. That's what Easter is all about. Not only did Jesus rise from the dead, but in Christ Jesus, you have resurrection life living within you. Have you received him as your resurrected Lord and Savior? If you haven't, you can. You don't have to run a miracle mile. You don't have to lift a thousand pounds. You don't have to pay a million dollars. You don't have to be the best possible person you can be. Because that's not what is required. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He paid for your sin debt on the cross. He died and rose again to give you the free gift of salvation if you will only believe in Him and trust in Him as your personal Lord and Savior. That salvation is secure in Christ Jesus because it is God who begins that process in you and it is God who will complete that process in you. And for this, you can have absolute confidence. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, we invite you to call on him now and through a simple prayer of faith, give your life to him. 
If you're not attending a church that honors the Bible as the Word of God, we encourage you to locate and begin attending such a church in the area where you live. The message you have just heard was preached from the pulpit of First Baptist Church, Winton, California. For more information on the ministry of First Baptist Church, Winton, please visit our website at wintonchurch.org.